0: Welcome to the FBCLB podcast, where you'll find the preaching of Dave Delaney, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Long Beach. Thanks for listening. Take your Bibles and go with me to Matthew chapter number one, the book of Matthew, chapter number one this morning. If you don't have your Bible with you, I hope that you do. But if you don't have your Bible with you, there should be one perhaps in the back of the seat in front of you. Maybe in the back of the seat behind you, you'll find a copy of God's Word. And we would encourage you to pick up that copy and follow along with us as we turn our attention this morning to Matthew chapter number 1. And we're going to pick up reading in verse number 18 this morning. Matthew chapter 1 and verse number 18. If you found your place and if you're willing and able, would you stand with me out of respect for the reading of God's Word? Matthew chapter 1. We're going to read verse 18 all the way to the end of the text, which is verse number 25. So Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to verse 25. What do you say to someone when they are suffering? What do you say to a friend who's going through a difficult season, a dark valley, or a hard time? If you live long enough, that will not simply be a theoretical question. That will be a very practical question. Most people, when they go through a difficult season, have what they call the stages of grief. There's denial, then anger, then bargaining, then depression, then acceptance. And Joseph, in our text, is going to experience some of those emotions. I've tried to tell you over the course of the last six years as your pastor, what you ought to do with a friend who's going through a difficult season. Maybe better put, I've tried to tell you what not to do when you go, or when your friend goes through a difficult season. The worst thing you can do is compare your grief to their grief. And no one suffers the same. We're all different. Another terrible thing to do is offer some kind of simple truism. To just help them get through the tough reality that they're facing. Well, when God opens, or when God closes a door, he opens a window. What does that even mean? How is that even helpful? Those statements only magnify her. One of the greatest gifts that you can give someone is your presence. Joseph gets bad news, the Lord gives Joseph a gift. It doesn't give it to Joseph only. It gives it to all of us, as you'll see in a moment. But he gives us the greatest gift ever. His presence. Look at verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. And when, as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together... She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, he's been given the worst news of his life, the the woman who's supposed to be his wife, the love, of his wa- the, the love of his life, the woman he's intending to spend the rest of his life with, is found to be with child. N.T. Wright, a uh, commentator on this, says first century folks knew every bit as well as we do. The babies are produced by the union of one man and one woman. So in Matthew's version of the story, Joseph hears about Mary's pregnancy. And his problem arose not because he didn't know the facts of life, but because he did know the facts of life. And Joseph says, it's the worst news I could ever hear. was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, behold, a virgin shall be with child. She shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Mark that phrase, Emmanuel, which is being interpreted, God with us. Then Joseph being raised, from sleep did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and he took unto him his wife and he knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son and they called his name Jesus mark that his name Jesus our heavenly father we pray that you would use your word in our lives and in Jesus name we pray and all the church said together amen, amen. you may be seated thank you for standing One of the greatest gifts that you can give someone is your presence. It means you show up. It means you're there. You stay close. It's a a comforting hug. It's a cup of coffee. It's a phone call, a text message. It's a prayer. It's a thought. It communicates all of those Communicate, I am with you. That's where real comfort, that's where real help is found. If you want to be a help to someone, be with them. If you want to be a help to someone, be with them. Christmas time is the time of the year where we celebrate how God has come to help us. God with us. And there's really three ways in this passage that God demonstrates how he is with us. It's seen in the titles that are given to Christ. The title first, a son. The title second, Emmanuel. The title third, Jesus. He'll save his people from their sin. How is it? That God comforts us in our difficulty? How is it that God rights the wrongs of our life? How is it that God provides redemption for our sin so we can be with Him? It's His, listen, it's His presence. His presence. God with us. So, three things. Notice first, the Son. It's really found in verse 18, verse 21. Mary is about to bear the worst news possible to Joseph. She is going to have a child. The Bible makes it very clear this is Mary's child. Notice verse 18. When as his mother was espoused to Joseph. So it does not say when his mother Mary was espoused. To his father, Joseph. No, no, no. His father is not Joseph. His father is God. Notice, he's the son of God. She, verse 21, she shall bring forth a son. She shall bring forth a son. Matthew, in his gospel, sets out to prove that Jesus is, in fact, the Messiah. He is the fulfillment of all that God has promised in the Old Testament. Anytime you hear the word Messiah. The choir sang about it a few moments ago. Anytime you hear the word Messiah. You need to think of this. Messiah means. God fulfilled his Old Testament promises. When you hear the word Messiah. The name Messiah. You need to think. God fulfilled his Old Testament promises. He is fulfilling all that he has said he would do. We saw this last week, specifically in the genealogy that Matthew records for us at the beginning of this text. God fulfills his promises. The Messiah... Is coming look at his lineage we'll see it in a few weeks from now with the animosity and hostility that Herod has toward this one who was born king of the Jews this conflict that Herod has with the Messiah the fulfillment of all that God has said in the Old Testament you also see it with the worship of the wise men as they come and they present gifts to the infant, the, the toddler, really, a Jesus, as they give him these offerings. Matthew is going way out of his way to help us understand. This baby that's born and that we celebrate at Christmas time is, in fact, the Son of God. He is the Messiah. Notice, he is a son. He's a son of ...to marry, but he is a son, he is the son of God. He is a son to marry, but he is the son of God. I'm going to say it again so you'll you'll catch it and write it down. He's a son to marry. She'll have more babies in the future. But he is the son of God. He's born of God. This is what we understand in Christianity as the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a critical doctrine of Christianity. It proves that God is in fact that Jesus and Jesus instead is in fact both God and man. He is deity and human. He is both he is 100% God and he is man. So that's, if you're counting, that's 200%. And if you say, well, that doesn't make sense because no one can be 200%. No normal person is 200% a person. That's right. Jesus was not a normal person because he is the son of God, but he's the son of Mary. And notice this, this phrase, a son, shows us how Jesus chose to enter into humanity. That's the sub-point that you have. This is how he would enter into humanity. He would come into humanity by being born a son, the virgin birth. This is the doctrine on which hangs original sin, the inspiration of the Scripture, it teaches us who Jesus is. It shows us what Jesus intends to do. It helps us understand what Jesus accomplished for us by way of redemption and salvation. And there are many in our world today who attempt to deny, they refuse to accept the doctrine of the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. And if they do, if they do not deny it, then they maybe say, well, it's just not that important it's, it may not be important to many people, but let me tell you, friend, it is important to me and it ought to be important to you because the virgin birth, your belief in it and acceptance of it is the difference between you going to heaven to be with God or going to hell and being separated from God because of your sin. The virgin birth does several things. It first affirms the inspiration of the spirit. The virgin birth is predicted in the Old Testament. It's it's prophesied. It's told us this. So to reject the virgin birth is to reject, reject the teachings of Isaiah and Jeremiah, Genesis, Psalms. It's also to reject the New Testament teachings like Matthew and Luke and even John. They all go out of their way to make sure we are clear Jesus is the Son of God. So if you reject the teaching of the virgin birth, you are essentially rejecting the Bible. You're saying there are parts of the Bible that you cannot believe. And if there are parts of the Bible that you cannot believe, then how can you believe any of the Bible? If it is not all God's Word, then none of it is the Word of God. So the virgin birth and the acceptance of it validates for us, affirms for us, the inspiration of the, of the scriptures. But not just that, it's second. It also helps us understand that we have a Savior who is dependable. That if Jesus Christ were not born of a virgin, then he had a human father. And if he had a human father, then he would have inherited the sin nature from that father. And Matthew goes way out of his way several different times already in the first few verses to make sure we understand that Jesus was not born of Joseph. Jesus is born of the Holy Spirit by Mary according to the plan of God. And this seals for us that we have a Savior who although he is like us and that he's born of a woman is not like us in that he is the Son of God. And if you're sitting here and you're wondering, what does that mean? That my child got his sin nature from his daddy? The answer, of course, is yes. That's why your child is as terrible of a little kid as they are. Look at their dad. The virgin birth affirms for us the inspiration of the scripture. It helps us understand that we have a savior who is dependable But it also shows us that we have salvation that has been provided. That if Jesus Christ were not born of a virgin, then he's not the son of God. And if he is not the son of God, then he cannot be perfect. And he is not perfect. That he would sin just like you and I have sinned. And yet the scripture goes out of its way to help us understand that Jesus was in all points tempted like we are. And yet Jesus was without sin. And that is Critical to understanding that Christ then, being without sin, being a sinless sacrifice, can lay down his life for us on the cross. So Christ became a man. That's true. He's a son. He became a man like ourselves in all things except in his sin nature. You read the the gospel stories, Christ hungered, Christ thirsted, Christ ate, Christ drank, Christ slept, Christ got tired, he got weary, he felt pain, he wept, he rejoiced. Why? Because he became a man. And yet, even becoming a man, he did not, he did not stop being God. Galatians chapter 4 says it like this, in the fullness of time. God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law, that he might redeem us from the curse of the law, that we might receive the adoption. How do we come into the family of God? Because Jesus Christ laid down his own life for us. Jesus, a son to Mary, but the son of God this is how he chose to enter our humanity but there's a second thought here that I want you to understand that this is also entering our humanity he entered our brokenness entering our humanity he entered our brokenness and Jesus's entire life was marked with brokenness and Jesus felt alone Jesus felt abandoned Jesus, was betrayed. Jesus was lied about. Jesus was maligned. Jesus was ran out of town. Jesus had people say things about him. Mary had people say things about her. In fact, in John chapter 8, there's an entire conversation that the Pharisees have where they accuse Jesus of being born into immorality from his mother Mary. Jesus lived with all the whispers... All the have truths that people were offering around him. Why? Because he entered into this messy and broken world. You ever feel alone? You ever feel abandoned? You ever feel worn out? You ever feel weary? You ever feel like you just wish someone really understood? Oh, you remember this. God became a man He knows what it is like. He understands. He's in all points tempted like we are. Peter says it like this. We can take all of our care, all of our worry, all of our hurt, all of our suffering. And we can take it to him. We can cast all our care on him. Why? Because he cares for us. He identifies with us in this way. Jesus becomes a son. He entered humanity. He entered our brokenness. He comes, listen, to be with us. A son, that's the first one. There's a a second one here, and this is the word Emmanuel. Look at verse number 23. Behold, a virgin, this is the the prophecy. Behold, a virgin shall be with child. She shall bring forth a son. There's There's our phrase. Entered humanity, entered brokenness, a son. And they shall call his name, what is it? Emmanuel. And what does this name mean? God with us. So Christmas is the celebration that God came to be close. Came to be near, literally. God came to be with us. I think of all the times in the Bible where God being with his people is emphasized. It's a very important thing. God was with Adam and Eve in the garden before they sinned. God was with the children of Israel in the wilderness. God was with Moses on Mount Sinai. God was with Israel in the tabernacle. God was with Israel. In the setting up of the temple in 1 Kings chapter 8. God was with them. God's presence visited them. But all of those understandings of God being with his people in the Old Testament are just they're just pictures. They're they're images. They're they're what it will be like when God comes to be with us. In fact, John records it in the best way in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word. The word became flesh. He became a son. Christ became a son. God became one of us. Entered into our humanity. The word became flesh and dwelt, listen to it, among us. God with us. Just so we're clear, in John chapter 1, when it uses the expression about Jesus that he is the word. He's referring to Jesus in this way. What, what is a word? A word is an a expression of a thought. You have a thought. You express it by saying something. How can you understand what I'm thinking? Well, the way I help you understand what I'm thinking is by offering a word, by expressing myself through word. Jesus is called The Word as the expression of God. You want to see what God is like? Look at Jesus. He's the expression. He's the image of God. You want to see what God is thinking? Look at Jesus. He's the visible expression of God. Hebrews 1 says it this way. God in these last days hath spoken to us by his Son, how do I know what God is thinking? Well, look at his word. What's the word? Well, there's his word sealed for us according to the spirit. But then there's his word, the word made flesh. There's Jesus Christ. If you read that expression there in John chapter 1, you'll find out several things about the word made flesh. You'll find out first of all, he, Jesus, the Word, he is eternally God. He is God with us. So John says it like this In the beginning was the Word. So listen very closely. Jesus is not simply from the beginning, Jesus was in the beginning. So before the beginning was, Jesus was. He's not just from the beginning. He's before the beginning. How can it be that he's before the beginning? because he is eternally God? because John begins the, the, his gospel the same way Genesis begins its story, which is in the beginning God. In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Jesus is eternally God. Let's look at verse 23 again he is Who's Jesus? He is God. He is God. He's eternally God. He was in perfect fellowship and relationship with God. He's eternally God. But there's a second thought I want you to understand about this word, Emmanuel. Not just that he's eternally God. He's God. Matthew is ascribing him a title. But second, he's equally God. John says it like this. In the beginning, the word, listen to it. With God. So contrast it. John says, who's Jesus? Jesus was in the beginning with God. He's eternally God. He's equal God. How does Matthew record it? He says Emmanuel. Jesus is Emmanuel. Jesus was God. He's equally God. But now, he's not with God. He's, listen to it, with us. Emmanuel, God with us us now you think of it think of it god perfect Ex- perfect relationship jesus face to face with god for all of eternity and yet that first christmas think of the sacrifice christ made to give up the situation the position of with God, in order to be with us. The Word is not simply an aspect of God. It's not just a characteristic of God. It's a distinct personality. The Word was with God. Now the Word is with us. The Word was there for all of eternity past and is there for all of eternity future. But in this time, the word is here with us. That's so what this is what Matthew is saying. He's with us. And of course Jesus was with us. We know this according to the Gospels. Jesus was with us for 33 and a half years, lived a perfect sinless life, died on the cross, an atoning death for us. They laid him in the grave. Three days later he rose from the grave. The Bible teaches us in the book of Acts that 40 days he showed himself alive. And then the Bible teaches us that he ascended to be with the Lord, to be with God. He ascended and the disciples stood on the hillside and they watched Jesus as he goes up. And Jesus says, what do you stand here looking at? Go. I've empowered you. I've given you my spirit. And Jesus, the Bible teaches us, went and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And there Jesus ever makes intercession for us. You know what that means? That means Jesus and God are having a conversation About who? About you. Jesus and God are having a conversation about you. Where's Jesus right now? And Jesus right now is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, the Bible teaches us. The moment that you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, he became your savior, he took your place, his death became your death, his life became your life. And the Bible says that he sealed us with his spirit. So, what takes up residence in our hearts and in our lives? The spirit of God lives inside the believer. So, that Jesus is telling the disciples, they're afraid Jesus is going away, and they're saying, We don't want you to leave. We want you to be here with us. And Jesus says, Don't worry, I'll, I'll go away, but I must go to prepare a place for you. But if I go, I'll send another, one just like me, just like the Father. This is the triune God that. That we serve God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I'll send another who'll comfort you and lead you and convict you and keep you and protect you and you will always be mine. But I'm getting a place ready for you to be with me there. This is the promise from God, sealed by the Spirit of God. Listen very closely, sealed by the Spirit of God. And Jesus is eternally God. Emmanuel. God with us. Jesus is equally God. He is fully God and fully man. Let me me illustrate it this way. let's Let's just say for a second that this white shirt I have on represents the deity of Christ. This white shirt represents the deity of Christ. Do do I have to wear a jacket to wear a shirt? Yes or no? No. The obvious answer is no. My my shirt goes under my jacket. But, But I can wear it with or without the jacket. It's still the white shirt. And in the same way, Jesus is the son of God from eternity past to eternity future. He's always the son of God. He's always been the son of God. The angels proclaim the message to the shepherds like this. Go to Bethlehem and see the baby born in the manger. Born, listen, born savior of the world. Didn't become the savior. Was born the savior of the world. He is the son of God. When Jesus walked on the sea of Galilee, listen very closely. He was the son of God. When Jesus fed the 5,000, he was the son of God. When Jesus rose from the dead, he was the son of God. When Jesus went back to heaven, he's the son of God. When Jesus comes again, and he will very soon, he is and will be the son of God. He does not change his nature. He is, he was, he always will be. That's why he says, well, they asked Jesus in his life, at the end of his life, who are you? He says, before Abraham was, I am. He is, he was, he always will be the son of God. But watch this. If I put my coat back on, which is kind of hot in here, but I'm going to do it anyway. If I put my coat back on, let's say my coat represents the humanity of Christ. The coat represents the humanity. So let me ask you a question. Am I still wearing my shirt? Well, let's hope so. The coat doesn't change the nature of the shirt. This is what Paul Paul says in Philippians. That Christ, the image, express image of God, the same as God, he humbled himself, became man. Christ found equal with God, humbled himself, and became a man, became obedient unto death even the death of the cross. For what reason? Why would God do that? Why would Jesus do that? Why would he put on flesh? Why would he become the son of Mary? Why? To provide a way, listen very closely, to provide a way for us to be with him. Why does he want Why does he want us to be with him? Why why does he want us to be with him? And here's the answer. Not because you're awesome. Not Not because we got our act together. Not because we're the good guys and there are all those people out there in the world, they're the bad guys. No, no, why does he want that? Because he loves you. In fact, the Bible says he loves all the world and he gave himself for it. He loves the whole world, and he gave himself for it. Think of the tremendous sacrifice Christ made in order to be with us. Think of the tremendous sacrifice Christ made in order for us to be with him. If Christ sacrificed so much, if you believe that, if you believe that Christ made such a great sacrifice to give up his position in heaven with God to come down here and be with us and then receive the brokenness and the hay and the hostility and then the eventual execution of his life here on earth. How much should that inspire us to live for him? The life that I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul says there in Galatians 2, it's not me living my life for myself. I want to live my life for him. You see, to the degree that you recognize what Christ has fully and truly done for you and for me is the degree that you will gladly live your life, not for you, not for your own happiness, not for your own dreams, not for your own desires. No, you'll live your life for him. Not, not only that, but I want you to understand this. God, eternal, equal, with us, It's so easy to believe that God is with us when things are going good. It's so difficult to believe that God is with us when things are going bad. When you're on the mountaintop, it's easy to think, oh yeah, God's with me. <laughs> when you're in the valley, you think... No, no, I'm all alone. When you get really good news, when you get the raise, when you get the promotion, when the baby sleeps through the night, God's with me. And you get bad news, and you're hurting, and it's tough. It's easy to think, I'm all alone. You know, the Bible goes way out of its way to help us understand that God is with us in all seasons if we're his. Matthew chapter 28, Jesus says, I will always be with you. Hebrews 13, the author of Hebrews, assures us of this. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Psalms 23, if you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm with you. Isaiah 41, if you're standing in front of a, a fearful thing, fear not. I'm with you. In 1 Kings 19, he says to the prophet who's hungry in the wilderness, I'm with you. In Acts chapter 27, the disciples' boat is being thrown every which way across the top of the waves. They find themselves in a storm, and you know what he says? Peace, I'm with you. God goes way out of his way in his word to show us, you're, on a val- you're in a valley, you're in a desert, you're in a wilderness, you're in a storm, you're in front of something big and scary and fearful. Don't worry, I'm with you. Never left you, I will never forsake you. God is always with those who have trusted us, who have trusted him. We can say it like this. If I lose my job, God's with me. If I lose a relationship, God's with me. If the economy gets shaken, I don't have to be afraid, God's with me. He will never leave. He will never forsake. He will never turn and run. He will never abandon. He'll give us what we always need. He's our strength, our comforter, our provider, our source, our redeemer. He's our righteousness. The Bible says he's our rock. So everything else is blown around, but he doesn't move at all. He's faithful and true. He's consistent. The same. The Bible says that he is a friend that sticks close than a brother so everybody else leaves but he stays in the room. He's always with us. Do you believe that? Emmanuel God with us. He's a son but what God tells Joseph got bad news there's a son second there's someone who's entered into the same brokenness you have you can throw your care on Jesus second Emmanuel he's with us he was there he chose to leave there to be here so we could be with him third there's a third name notice it verse 25 he's born of course And the Bible says in verse 25, and he, Joseph, called his, Jesus's. Joseph called the baby's name Jesus. Can I I tell you why we can be with God? Can I tell you why we can be with God? Christmas isn't just a story that makes us feel warm and cozy about peace on earth and goodwill to men. The heart of the, of the Christmas story is that as humans we were separated from God because of our sin. We sinned against the Lord. The Bible says that we've all sinned. And our sin has separated us from God, in that we've gone after our sin and we've refused to obey the Lord. Look at 21. Look at verse 21. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Why? Why is his name to be called Jesus? Well, he shall save his people from their sins. The name Jesus literally means Yahweh saves, God saves. This is the greatest news in all the world. God has made a way for us to be with him. How can we be with God? Well, the way we can be with God is through what Jesus Christ has done for us. As all of us on our own had sinned against God and had been separated from God in this life and in the life to come because of our sin. God did not want to leave us in our sin. So he sent Jesus Christ into the world who did what? who died on the cross and who rose from the grave for our sin. And if you've believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says his spirit lives in you. And he's gone to heaven, Jesus has, to prepare a place for us to one day be with him. How could we ever hope to be with God? We were with God because Christ is with us. You know, this message separates Christianity from every other religion in the world. Because every other religion in the world says, you want to be with God? I'll tell you how you get there. You better be good and you better be moral and you better feed the hungry. You better clothe the needy and you better be religious and you better never talk bad to your parents. You better always talk kind to your wife and you better never do these things. You better check this list. You better give money to the church. You better show up to all the services. You better shake hands. Every other religion in the world says, here's how you get to God. Do good, be moral, be civil, do do all these good works. Christianity and Christianity alone says, no, 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 no. You you can't do enough to get to God. The, The ladder's too high. God came to you through Jesus Christ. So believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And guess what you got when you got saved? You got your eternal security reserved with Christ because God and Jesus have a conversation about you. And Jesus is preparing for you a mansion right now. He's building your eternal home and he's sealed you with his spirit. So it's true. He never leaves us. Why? Because his spirit lives in us. That's why. And he leads us and he guides us and he comforts us. Through his spirit. Have you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ? There's no way to God except through Christ.